Hi, I'm Lisa. Hi, I'm Julie. And this is Two Sober Chicks in Recovery. Yes. All right. So um, we've been tossing around a bunch of ideas before we flipped on the mic. So let's throw this one out there and see what sticks. We're going to talk about um, why it is suggested that you don't date in the first year of your recovery. Yeah. Good topic. You know what else was suggested to me is don't make any major changes in the first year of your recovery. Yes. And starting to date somebody, that's a pretty major change. Yes. Okay. So let's talk about dating to start with. Okay. So um, I was married at the time that I got sober, so I didn't have to deal with this. (laughs) (laughs) Well, actually, I dated a bit in my marriage, but we won't get into that now. (laughs) Just kidding. Well, sort of not really. Anyways, that's a topic for another day. Infidelity in recovery. Not something I'm proud of, but something I did. Anywho. Um, <laughs> she digresses. I digress. I'm just giving you like little teasers for upcoming podcasts. Yep. So uh, I was two and a half years sober when I w- got separated. And for me, I feel like I should have also instituted that wait a year um, because I was not emotionally sober. And I think that's the reason we Uh, suggest that people don't date in the first year because you're not even familiar yet with your emotional landscape what triggers are how your emotions drive your behavior and there's nothing so delicious as pursuing someone and falling in love and that can totally take the cart right off the tracks yep and I wish that I had listened to this advice too because it was definitely given to me Um, when I first came in I was actually uh, out of a relationship I had been with the same person for a number of years and then we broke up because of my drinking. Three months into my recovery, all of a sudden I looked amazing again and uh, she decided she'd take me back. And I said, mm. okay, because that's what I wanted. The whole reason I had gone into recovery was to get my partner back. Not a good reason. Mission accomplished though, three <laughs> months in. Yeah, and then I can just, pff, I don't have to do these steps. Thank God, that would, that would require work and, uh, you know, looking at myself. I heard a great thing in a meeting today, um, blame, shame, or guilt. If you are entertaining any of these emotions, blame, shame, or guilt, you are fueling your alcoholism. Mm. These, are, these are fuels for alcoholism to be active and to begin again and to survive. I just love that. Anyway, I just thought I'd throw that out there. So, um, yeah, and so we got back together and then major changes. Um, Three months later, I'm quitting my job and we're moving to Toronto. Ooh, so now you're six months sober. Yeah, and I'm in a brand new city. Um, The job that I had lined up, the guy who hired me got fired. So when I showed up for my job, they didn't know what I was talking about. Oopsie. So now I'm unemployed in a new city (laughs) back in the the old relationship and not much of my behavior is changing so and it's funny that you know we're when we're new in recovery of course our biggest problem is ourself so of course we're not going to listen to this great advice we just think no you can't be right I need somebody else you know I rely on that person yep you complete me (laughs) um yeah, so I mean, I have plenty of these stories where uh, I didn't listen and I just, you know, did it my way. That's like the story of my struggle in recovery. Every time I tried to do it my way, I fell flat on my face. And it wasn't until I finally surrendered 
and just said, okay, you know what? Whatever you sponsor tell me to do, I'm going to do. And I might not like it and I might balk a little bit and I might not agree. Um, but then you get, you have the right to say, oh, remember you said you were going to do what I suggested this time and remind me of that. And that's what happened. Um, and it helped a lot because I started to focus on myself. So for me, that's, I mean, that's the biggest reason why I think it's suggested don't date because when you're dating, you're not focusing on yourself. You're focusing on the relationship. And so you're putting the relationship and this other person first, all of a sudden you have a new higher power and it has nothing to do with spirit. Yeah. My sponsor always says, whatever you focus on becomes your higher power. I think the steps are genius because we, in our fourth step, we make an inventory, sex, conduct, fears, resentments, and harms. And we really get to see the pattern as to why we're engaging in our addiction as much as we are. And you can't understand those things or that concept until you've done those steps. And for a lot of people like me, it took me two years to do my first round of the 12 steps. And even then, um, you know, six months later, I had an affair and I got separated and uh, I clearly had done the steps but was not practicing these principles in all my affairs. And I look back at that now and I go, wow, how can I even say I was doing that based on my conduct and behavior? I've learned from that now and doing a lot more work and doing the steps over and over again that I have to practice these principles in all my affairs because if I start to separate out sections of my life or compartmentalize how I live in recovery versus how I live in the world, if there's not harmony with all of those things, I'm in danger of relapsing in any way, which is can be emotionally, which I believe my affair was. Um, I can relapse by drinking again, so physically. I can relapse in my behaviors, maybe mentally. So I have to be very careful, and I think that's why we have to be really sensitive to people in the rooms, not only in their first year of sobriety, but also in, this, in the several months or a period in their life where they're going through hardship, whether it be a death, a divorce, which is the death of a relationship, bankruptcy, losing a child, whatever it may be. I also believe that those are very tender times that we have to abstain from making any major decisions or getting involved in any new situations or relationships for fear of falling off the horse. Mm. Yeah, when we when we first come into recovery too, we are extremely vulnerable, or I know I was, vulnerable and needy. And um, they talk a lot about there's 12 steps in the program of Alcoholics Anonymous. And um, if you're in maybe a bad situation, there's a 13th step. where And the 13th step joke is um, if someone's 13th stepping you, um, they're trying to date you mm-hmm. and you're new in recovery. So it is suggested, I mean, the old saying... A lot of people look at the AA thing and they say, oh, well, it's very outdated and misogynistic and archaic. And because one of the rules was men with men, women with women when they talked about sponsorship. But that was to help keep women safe. That was to help um, women understand and open up and be vulnerable with other women, not maybe be sucked into a relationship with a man by sharing and being sponsored by a man. Um, but times change and, you know, there's, I, I've been sponsored by a man. I've been sponsored by women. Uh, I've had sponsees that are both men and women. Uh, it's just about, for me, it's about setting that boundary right at the beginning. You know, we're going to be going through a lot together. We're going to be sharing a lot. Here's my boundaries. Um, I don't want you to mistake anything for emotional, you know, feelings or tenderness. I'm here as a, a sponsor, a guide, and maybe eventually a friend. Yeah. 
I think um, my take on the men with men, women with women is because most of us are very emotionally intense, we can tend to develop feelings for someone if we're sharing a lot of intimate stuff with them. And so say if you are a heterosexual woman and you're with a heterosexual man, I don't believe that's a good recipe for success when you're first sober. When I used to do a lot of volunteer work with newcomers at a rehab, I used to say, for in terms of your sponsor, pick a person of the gender you're not attracted to. Yeah. And then I was like, if you're attracted to both, I don't know what that feels like, and I'm sorry, but <laughs> pick someone that you don't think that you'll be attracted to. Right. Because it's amazing. You can think you're not attracted to someone and then share very deep, personal, intimate things and then feel like you have a bond and then feelings sprout from there. Yeah. Like, um, I know a guy in recovery who said that um, he had a lot of difficulty with this because he'd go to meetings and he would see attractive women. So he then changed his home group to someplace out in the boonies where most of the attendees at the group were over 70. Like he was the only 30-year-old at the group. Mm -hmm. So that way he felt that there was no way he could be attracted to uh, someone who sponsored him or someone in the group. And that's the extreme that he had to go through um, in order to stick to his program of recovery. Um, I also, for me personally, I know that, uh, it was a, I didn't want to do the work. That was the hard part. So if I started dating somebody, then all of a sudden the work went on the back burner. Mm. And like we've talked about the relationship, the other person became my higher power. And, um, what happened in my case was that AA, um, took a back seat. And so therefore did the work. Um, the work took a backseat as well. I stopped working on myself and I ended up in a, another crappy relationship. Um, and this time I wasn't able to blame it on the other person because I had gone in it with my eyes wide open as to what the situation was. And I did it anyway, hoping that it would be better, hoping that I could change this person or, you know, just looking for a way out. Cause the, the thing I feared most in life was being alone. Uh, and I think that's another reason why they say you need to maybe avoid dating in the first year so that you can learn mm. to stand on your own two feet so that you can learn um, that you don't need to be reliant upon someone else to be okay mm -hmm. in the world. Yeah. And once we learn how to rely on God, we become um, more powerful in ourselves because we don't know, we no longer not, we don't, how am I trying to say this? Um, we don't need the other person, we want the other person. And that leads to, I think, a really healthy autonomy in relationships. A much better partnership, no power struggle. The end. I like that. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. I feel like I'm done with that thought. Pops. So do end our discussion because god told me i was finished he literally <laughs> wiped my mind i'm done on that one it's like when you when you give a talk when you're asked to speak um you know when you'll you're done because you've just okay yep i've just run out of things to say all of a sudden you hit the blank don't try to fill up the space by talking more that's usually a disaster just and to we can tell end there so we're done i was just gonna say so what advice um going out julie would you give uh, a newcomer who has decided they've met somebody and they want to date and they go to their sponsor and the sponsor says, yeah, well, you're three months sober and you haven't even begun the steps yet. So why don't you just put that on hold? And if it's meant to be, it'll be there in a year from now. 
That's great advice. What would I say to someone that doesn't like that advice? Yeah. Listen to your sponsor. (laughs) And uh, next topic will probably be sponsor shopping. I'm Lisa. I'm Julie. And this has been Two Sober Chicks. Chicks Recovery. You sound I like never you know took if a it's drink sober at the chicks end. Recovery or two sober chicks. Two sober chicks recovery. Janice, what are we called? Next week. I don't know. What are we called? Sober chicks. I thought it was two. The number two. There's I two know, of I us. Never-